Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. Hi, this is uh, Dr. Gary Bell. All right, now, we're, we're going to be talking today about sexual orientation, sampling the buffet. You know, sexual orientation is very complex because it not only uh, it involves the idea of what you're attracted to, whether it be a man, a woman, you know, opposite sex, whatever, but it also has to do with identity. And so, you know, sexual orientation is a, is a term that's basically used to describe our patterns of emotional, of romantic, and, and even sexual attraction, and also our, our sense of personal and social identity. And, and it's also based on those attractions. And a person's sexual orientation is not a, a black and white manner anymore. It, it exists along a continuum with exclusive attraction to the opposite sex on one end, of the continuum and exclusively attraction to the same sex on the other end. But what we're going to be talking about today is more about the gray area in between and identifying with the the, the most extremes on the continuum. Now, let's break it down here. You know, uh, heterosexuality, which is attraction to members of the opposite sex, homosexuality is attraction to members of the same sex. And bisexuality, which is attraction to members of either sex, these are the three most commonly discussed categories of sexual orientation, though by no means the only categories in the world of sexual identification labels. You know, queer, for example, is useful for its uh, non-specificity to orientation, and it acts as kind of like an umbrella term. You know, few issues are hotly contested as to what determines a person's sexual orientation. While most uh, scientific people agree that nature and nurture both play complex roles, the determinants of sexual orientation are still very poorly uh, misunderstood. And current research into its underpinnings frequently focuses on the role of genes, the environment, the brain structure, and hormones. And typically, a person may be identified as primarily heterosexual, which is the focus of people, uh, once again, on the opposite sex, or homosexual, people of the same sex, bisexual, potentially both or either sexes, and then there is this other category of asexual, no sexual desire for either sex. You know, but if you compare, like, homosexuality and transgender for a discussion on the use of homo and heterosexual when referring to transgender or intersex people. You know, you have to look at the facts that transgender, those folks actually believe that they are of the opposite sex, that that they should have been a girl, they should have been a boy. Um, Some go for in between. But the bottom line is, is if a person identifies as a person of the opposite sex, they feel the need to live in that opposite sex. And that's what transgender is all about. So, you know, sexual orientation is very complex and a lot of people are very scared of this topic. A lot of people avoid this topic. But as we are evolving as a society and since the sexual revolution of the 60s, people are kind of backing off and understanding that this is not something worthy of being prejudiced about because the bottom line is 
we are not personally involved with other, what other people do in their bedrooms or with their sexual uh, uh, instincts. You know, the bottom line is to be prejudiced against people that uh, feel an orientation towards maybe the opposite sex or maybe feel that they need to be somebody of the opposite sex. You know, that's a lot of energy and it's not worth the prejudice. In this world, all people are equal and to label people by their sexual uh, conduct or their sexual desires is a pretty bad thing to have to do. I mean, in this day and age. And, and the, the other thing is, you know, we're in a day and age where we're safe. We're in a day and age where we don't have to compete for food. We're in a day and age where our family is not our police, you know, where our family is basically here and we're all safe. We're not having to look out for our land. We're not having to protect ourselves. And, and we're not in a society where we have to uh, 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 link ourselves with other families by having sex with them and then creating uh, children to link ourselves to a, a higher class of people. We're not in that day and age. And so now that we are safe and now that we are in a situation where uh, we voluntarily breed rather than have to breed because our children don't diet at birth or, or in the young years like they used to, you know, the bottom line is people don't have to be heterosexual. They can be whatever. They can be whatever they want. And, and so that's a scary topic for a lot of people. It's a very scary one. So, you know, we're going to go into this. It, it also, sexual orientation refers to identity of a person, either by choice or an expression of inner attitude. And, and these categories are also used to describe sexual behavior, which may depart from an individual's chosen identity or spontaneous desires. So sexual orientation is even a legal term. And it has, it has meaning uh, developed through case law that is separate from the meaning used in other fields. So it, in, uh, in uh, the most common term used in laws that prohibit discrimination based on uh, homosexuality, heterosexuality, and bisexuality. So let's look at this. You know, homosexuality is a romantic attraction, a sexual attraction. This is uh, heterosexuality. Uh, to to or sexual behavior between persons of the opposite sex or gender, and, and as a sexual orientation, uh, heterosexuality is an enduring pattern of emotional, romantic, and sexual attractions to persons of the opposite sex. It also is a person's sense of identity based on those attractions and related behaviors and membership in a community and others who share those attractions. Now, what is this? Homosexuality is a basically a romantic attraction or a sexual attraction or a sexual behavior between members of the same sex or gender. And as uh, a sexual orientation, homosexuality is a very enduring pattern of emotional, romantic, and sexual attractions to people of the same sex. It, it also is a, a person's, once again, sense of identity as being uh, homosexual. Along with bisexuality and heterosexuality, homosexuality is one of the three biggest categories of sexual orientation, as I've said before. But, you know, the most common terms for homosexual people, and we're just breaking this out so people understand it, uh, lesbian is for females and gay is for males, although gay is also used for uh, women. You know, and uh, so, you know, the number of people who identify as gay or lesbian and the proportion of people who have the same-sex sexual experiences are difficult for people to understand because there is a lot of in-between. There's a lot of people who flip and flop uh, between that. But many gay and lesbian people are, are committed 
into same-sex relationships, and they often have many of the same issues and have to deal. And I can tell you this as a therapist. They have to deal with their issues, which are very similar to the, what people in a heterosexual relationship would have. And so that can be very complex in a sense of what role uh, they play because it might be a little bit different. There may be a hybrid role that, that both of the same sex and a marriage might play, but the issues are often the same. The reasons for breakup are often the same. Affairs, money, whatever, whatever it may be, that those are the things that often come between them. And so, uh, you know, our issues are human in, in these kind of relationships and they can be dealt with in therapy. So, you know, the asexual people, they're not attracted and they don't identify with themselves as a sexual person. Uh, oftentimes, uh, these people are celibate and uh, they just don't look at somebody in a sexual manner. And, and they are not strange people. They're just that way. There are some people in this world that just have... Uh, no desire to explore their sexuality. They don't even understand why people get so crazy about it and make so many stupid uh, mistakes around it because they don't get it. And some people just don't have that desire. And it may be through trauma. It may be just through their instincts. It may be through their genes. It may be that they have no libido or no testosterone or whatever, or they just simply decided that's not important to me. Also, transgender people, now they have a true struggle because they actually are in the body that they don't want. And they often reject their own body. They often don't like their body. They don't like how they look because they want to be that of the opposite sex. And uh, they get uh, their identity is that of the opposite sex. And oftentimes they're very ashamed because they feel like they don't belong as a male or a female uh, because um, they simply don't know if they're going to be accepted. And so they find more comfort with each other. They, they often find uh, chat rooms and places to go to get comfort from each other because they identify once again as a person of the opposite sex. And uh, they often, uh, transgender people, often get the most discrimination of all. Now, there are some transgender people that are actually married, and they actually are married to a person of the opposite sex. So it may be a man married to a woman, but he dresses as a woman sometimes, and then he dresses as a man sometimes. And that all has to do with where he wants to identify himself. And that doesn't mean that if he's transgender, that doesn't mean that he's attracted to uh, people of the uh, sex that he identifies with. Or his own sex, it just means that he identifies, he or she identifies with himself as a person of the opposite sex, but that does not have anything to do with their attraction. And so these are very, very complex things. Now, look, let's look at the difference between sex and perversion. You know, the, the connection between sex and perversion is, is found in love. But when you're talking about love, we need to be clear what we're really talking about. If you study the history of human sexuality and marriage through ancient and primitive cultures, you'll find that communal sex and polygamy predominate. Communal sex tends to predominate in a matriarchal societies. That is, societies in which power tends to pass through women. And property is more or less communal, where women mate with whomever they want, without any particular or lasting emotional attachment. In patriarchal societies, where property passes through the male lineage, knowing the child's father is of great importance. 
importance because the men tend to be uh, promiscuous while women are carefully guarded sexually because they are passing on the family or making the family richer by marrying into another family. And so uh, then there's the curious mixtures of elements such as cultures where a man would offer his wife for the night to a guest as a token of hospitality. Yet when individuals in Western cultures think about finding a mate, they tend to think of romantic love. You know, courtly love is not a, a pagan concept, though it was influenced by Christian morality. It has nothing to do with the real Christian love either. In other words, courtly love and all the romantic sentiments and eroticism that fill it is an illusion. It's impossible to find love through sexuality. It's impossible to use your body to hide your emotional pain. And it's impossible to heal our, uh, our own brokenness through our body of another person as moral or as broken as you are. If that person is broken as you are, you know, there is no such thing as love found through sex. And, uh, you know, what what is truly sought is something we all experience as painfully missing from our life, some comforting sense of absolute belonging and acceptance. That is what we're truly looking for. That is what love is about. And that's where sexual orientation comes into play because that is the need to attract ourselves to someone who can give us comfort and can give us absolute acceptance and love. And that may be this person of the opposite sex. That may be through bisexuality, may be through heterosexuality, whatever it is, that can be sought no matter the sexual identity. Okay. Now, now, um, uh, you know, there's a lot uh, as suggested by a, a French psychologist, Jacques Lacan, although love that is, its common most popular sense is, in essence, a constant chasing after something that doesn't exist. There is nevertheless a love beyond this making love, a love that exists beyond lack and limitation that involves a sort of ecstasy that uh, beginning as a matter of soul, not body. So the, the love that we seek is a soul matter. The sex that we seek is a body matter. And so we have to think in terms of a soul is looking for a mate. And that is what courtly love is all about. That's why people find themselves. Now, people that identify just with their sexuality, and I know this is complex, but people that, that identify strictly with their sexuality are not truly understanding what love is. And so that connection, uh, and when you put the connection of what you're attracted to and what gives you comfort and absolute acceptance, and then you combine that with your sexual orientation, you're driving yourself towards the, being a magnet for attracting someone that can bring you that. So we, we put those two things together, the sexual orientation and the need for love and acceptance. And when you put them both together, you're more directed towards getting an outcome that you want. And so sexual orientation is, is just simply the dressing outside of what you're looking for from a sense of love and acceptance. Complex, complex, complex. <laughs> sure, your head is spinning. <laughs> you know, diversity in sexual orientation, whether you're gay, whether you're straight, whether you're bisexual or somewhere in between, it, it, it has a long-standing controversies across the globe. You know, in the United States, there are lots of debates that have centered around the civil rights for same-sex couples and in many other countries, homosexuality is considered illegal, and in some, it's punishable by death even. 
And, and so, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot that you need to do. In research papers, there are between uh, 2 and 11% of people report experiencing same-sex attractions. The exact number varies depending on how the question is asked and how the research uh, is done. So, you know, children who do not conform to gender identities, for example, boys who wear dresses or girls who act as tomboys, are more likely to identify not as a heterosexual later in life, but they often find themselves dressing towards what they themselves feel about themselves. You know, it, it, there's a lot of data that, and, and a lot of theories, according to review, that, that propose that sexual orientation is a product of biology and social factors that, and for varying degrees of people. For example, there's credible evidence across cultures for men, their birth order has some effect on sexual orientation. Um, men with older uh, brothers are significantly more likely to identify as gay compared to firstborn sons or men with older sisters. And so, you know, this is likely related to, to evidence that uh, prenatal hormones affect the sexual orientation of boys. There's also clear evidence that specific uh, genetic profiles contribute to sexual orientation but likely interact with the others. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking about sexual orientation. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about homosexuality, then we're going to talk about gaydar. Come back. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome, everybody. We're talking about sexual orientation, and this is a very complex thing. But let's let's try to straighten this out in the terms of what sexual orientation means. And, and what sexual orientation, it's very important to understand that we're in an evolving culture. We are in a, 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 a very quickly uh, getting more acclimated towards people getting very specific about what they're actually attracted to in a person as a person and what they feel unconditional love is all about. And so what they do is they not only identify with what they're sexually attracted to and they try to form themselves into a life that attracts the people that they're attracted to, but they also want to have that comfort and love. And some people surprisingly find it in a place they never thought. And uh, so what I see in, in all the years that I've been practicing as a therapist is that I see people of all kinds of different uh, identity and orientation in their sexual. But sexual is not all that we're talking about. What we're trying to get down to is what a person gets comfort and love from. That also lines up with their sexual identity. Now, that's when they're looking for a relationship. Now, some people, like bisexual people, may be wanting the lifestyle, let's say, of a married person or a straight person or a heterosexual person, but they also have an attraction for the opposite sex. They don't want to have that comfort. They don't want to have that friendship. They don't want to have that whatever. But what they do want to have is a sexual uh, um, uh, events that they have with people of the opposite sex or people that may be of the same interest as them. And that's also very shocking, but there's a very strong underculture of people like that in this world. And so, you know, we are a very diverse people. Now, what I'm trying to get to is is that if we get some understanding of what this is all about, and if we get some sense of acceptance of what this is all about, then what we are able to do is not struggle with sexual orientation as a part of our life. We just simply accept that people are different. Everybody's different. Everybody has their their thing. But we identify them with them as a person and not as their sexual identity. Now, what is this homosexuality? Since the 70s, consensus of uh, behavioral and science studies and health and mental uh, health uh, professions uh, globally say that uh, homosexuality is a variation of human sexual orientation, although some uh, professionals maintain that it is a disorder. But in uh, 1974, the American Psychiatric Association declassified homosexuality as a mental disorder. And also uh, the uh, American Psychological Association Council of Representatives also followed in 1975. So, uh, you know, other mental health organizations followed, including the World Health Organization in 1990. So homosexuality is not a mental disorder. Sexual orientation of any kind is not a mental disorder. It is simply a struggle that a person may have trying to get clear on what instead of the label that their parents wanted or the label that their family wants, but that they actually strip down and become the person that they are and the person that they want to be. And people that are free to do that have a much richer life and, and uh, 
they we want to have as people good intentions around these kind of folks so they can and all and in all people so they can clearly grab on to the life that they want and that makes them happy you know major uh, psych- uh, psychological research into homosexuality is divided into five categories number 1 what causes some people to be attracted to their own sex what causes discrimination against people with homosexual orientation and how can this be influenced? And by the way, we're, we're specifically now talking about homosexuality. Uh, does having a homosexual orientation affect a person's health status, uh, psychological functioning, or general well-being? And what determines successful adaptation to rejecting social climates? And why is homosexuality central to the identity of some people but peripheral to the identity of others? And how, how do children of homosexual people develop? You know, uh, psychiatric disorders in a gay uh, in a, a Dutch study, gay men reportedly were significantly had higher rates of emotional and mood disorders than straight men. Lesbians were significantly more likely to experience depression, but not other mood or anxiety disorders than straight women. Also, that. Uh, study uh, included the idea that the prejudices that the folks that decided to were decidedly homosexual, the prejudice confri- uh, um, basically contributes enormously to those mood disorders because of their lack of acceptance by other people. Also, uh, the physical appearance and de- eating disorders. Gay men tend to be more concerned about their physical appearance than straight men. Lesbian women are uh, at lower risk for eating disorders than heterosexual women. Also, uh, with the gender atypical behavior, this is not a disorder. Gay men may face difficulties due to being more likely to display uh, gender atypical behavior than heterosexual men. So the difference is less pronounced between lesbians and straight women. There's also, uh, in homosexuality, some of the other issues that they face is a minority stress. This is caused from a sexual stigma because people think, okay, well, you've chosen to be homosexual, so I'm going to treat you that way. And you're not part of the majority, and so I'm going to bully you, basically, and treat you because you're different. And I don't know how to treat you because I don't understand where you're coming from. And so, therefore, since I'm not familiar with what you are or how you think, I'm going to either prejudice you because I don't want to take on the challenge of getting to know you as a person. And that is how shallow people can be. They just label someone homosexual and they basically uh, deal with them as as such, as a minority and as somebody that doesn't have the same rights as people. We have to get over that. We got to be better people than that. And we got to be able to look at them as a person, not fear them, not look at the fact that you develop a friendship with them as meaning that your orientation has to be the same as theirs. It's just simply being comfortable enough in your own skin to get to know another human being. And that's what we've all got to get to. Um, You know, people that are homosexual have a a, a strong uh, statistics of suicide because of the way that they're treated, because of the challenges of may not being accepted by the people who once loved them in their childhood, their mother and father even. That is a very hard, hard thing for people to have to do, to not have their family anymore, simply because they chose to be a homosexual uh, or simply because their sexual orientation is different. And, And oftentimes people don't realize what a challenge that these people go through. So suicide rates in a gay community, in, in a homosexual community, are very high 
because oftentimes they don't have the support of the people who once loved them and they don't understand why that love has been abandoned. They also have uh, uh, higher statistically for females, which traditionally are not uh, suicidal people, but females are oftentimes uh, a much higher statistic in the gay community. You know, for men, uh, if you look at the statistics, it's it's uh, it's dot uh, eight to one dot one times more likely for females, and one point five to two point five times more likely for males to go into a suicidal time. And it's also uh, uh, if you look at the higher figures, some figures uh, throughout the world, and especially in the United States, it's it's four point six. Uh, uh, statistically times more higher in females and 14.6 more likely in males by the way they're treated, by the way that their life is going. Um, they may be also confused simply because they have a mental disorder and that comes along with their orientation sexually and sometimes that affects them too. You know, when people are coming out as a homosexual it can be a very traumatic for them. You know, many gay, uh, lesbian, bisexual people go through a coming out experience at some point in their lives. And this process includes several stages in which there's an awareness of being a different from the peers and, and their sensitization, which people start to, to question their sexual identity. And there's a, subsequently, they start to explore practically the option of being gay, lesbian, or bisexual. And then they learn to deal with the stigma of the identity assumption. And then in the final stage, they integrate their sexual desires into a position of understanding of their self and a commitment to that identity. However, the process is not always linear and it may be different in lesbians and gay men and bisexual people. But, but you know, these degrees of coming out, you know, gay men are more likely to be out to friends and siblings than to coworkers, to parents and to distant relatives. Coming out and, and well-being, you know, same-sex couples are openly gay, are more satisfied in their relationship. You know, for women who identify as a lesbian, the more people know about her sexual orientation, the less anxiety and the more positively uh, effectivity that she has and the better self-esteem that she has. Also, uh, rejection of gay identity, you know, lots of studies uh, report that for some religious people, rejecting gay identity appears to relieve the distress caused by conflicts between religious values and sexual orientation. So, you know, if you look at the research, um, some people are content to d in denying gay identity and there is no clear evidence of how that affects. But some people will identify with their religion and hide behind the religion and basically shun the people who have uh, a mixed sexual orientation or homosexual orientation and they treat them poorly from that religious perspective. And it's like if you're gay, you're going to go to hell. And that, that's a terrible thing to do to people. Um, and it's a horrible way to live. You know, we have to be more accepting of the diversity of people. The, you know, for thousands, hundreds and thousands of years, people have been mixed as far as what their sexuality is. But as of, you know, in society today, 
it is becoming clear that sexual orientation is out of the closet and it's out there so, so people can witness it. And uh, the more we learn to accept that, the better off we are. Now, what is gaydar? Gaydar, some people claim to have an uncanny ability to detect sexual orientation of another person uh, with subtle cues. And this is kind of intuition is often called gaydar. It's a, um, a, a combination of gay and radar. However, you know, there's a lot of skeptics that dismiss gaydar as nothing more than a set of stereotypes about homosexuals that are largely untrue. You know, um, the snap judgments we make about people we've just met in a series of experiments, uh, there, there have been uh, people that judge people's sexual orientation and come to the conclusion that, that this gaydar is real. And the way it works and what it tells us is a lot about the, the nature of uh, social uh, intuitions in general. And so what happens is people believe this gaydar and they will actually judge people as that even though they don't have the information that they actually are. You know, um, so how to, exactly does this work? You know, it's it, it. what happens is people look at the way a person dresses and do their hair. That's a social cue that people use to advertise their sexual orientation, also their sex, their social class, and even for ethnicity. For example, homosexual men may tend to be more meticulous about their clothing, their hairstyle compared with the heterosexual males. But judging people by their adornment alone only takes you so far. You know, after all, metrosexual style of fine clothing and expensive uh, hair uh, sported by young urban professionals it does not necessarily mean that has anything to do with their sexual orientation. That just is how they are dressed as people who are metrosexual, meaning that they dress very fine as a man or a woman, and they live maybe in a downtown area, and that is how they identify with themselves. You know, action cues are based on the mannerisms that people exhibit while they move. You know, uh, people who watch uh, clips of how people move will judge people based on how they, they walk. You know, um, gay men tend to sway their hips like, like straight women, you know, uh, while lesbians tend to swagger their shoulders like straight men. But again, there's a caveat. The judges were right more often than not, but they still made many, many uh, misinterpretations when they looked in studies. Just because a man uh, sways their hips doesn't mean that they're going to actually be a homosexual. You know, uh, appearance is also another factor of gaydar. How, um, that has to do with their facial characteristics. People, uh, if uh, accuracy doesn't, you know, go up when the judges are allowed to look at pictures as long as they do. But there's also when faces are, are cropped out so that all the cues of adornment like clothing and hellish sour are removed. The people are, have to look at the facial features and understand, okay, what is it that I'm seeing that makes me think this person is homosexual? Well, you know, if a person has a softer face, if a man has a softer face, they may tend to be looking as somebody that is uh, homosexual. If a female may have a harder face, more shaped face, uh, maybe even facial hair, then uh, they may be identified as homosexual. So we also look at those kind of clues. You know, people differ in their uh, in the sense of gaydar. But what is the point of gaydar? There is no point of it. It strips you. It, it means that you're looking to label people. So we need to stop filtering our life 
through gaydar. What is gaydar? It's a fear of gay people, basically. And so, but a lot of people will judge very much on the surface just based on those things. And so, um, you know, it's an old term. It's been around for a long time, but it's used pretty much to judge, pretty much to judge rather than uh, to actually function as a human being. You know, people do experiment. You know, uh, bisexuality does exist. And that uh, experimenting to discover your true sexual identity is totally normal. A lot of this happens in adolescence. I can't tell you how many times I hear over and over about boys experimenting with boys, girls experimenting with girls. We all know what happens. We all know that it takes place. And what happens is they're trying to explore who they are sexually. It doesn't mean that that is who they are sexually. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about experimentation. We're going to talk about accepting sexual orientation. And we're also going to go into a little bit about asexuality and nature versus nurture. Come back. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about sexual orientation. 
Now, I'm going to go into a more of a bisexual topic, which is uh, experimentation. There's a lot of people as adults that will experiment sexually. But if you're going to do that, you really need to understand that there has to be some, some rules of engagement so that you don't end up uh, turning into a wrecking ball through other people's lives and mixing their feelings up and, not, and them not understanding that you're just experimenting rather than looking for a relationship. If you're going to be experimental, bisexual person in this life, number one, you want to be transparent. It's important to be transparent about your intentions when you're experimenting. And it's only fair to all parties involved by letting your uh, prospective significant other know that you're not 100% solid on where you stand on sexuality spectrum. You're ensuring that you're kicking things off on the same page. That is very, very important. Transparency is essential for sustaining intimacy. That's because it is a trust issue. And so transparency, if you're going to argue in a relationship, if you're going to break up, it's going to be over trust. And if you can't do trust, then you can't do love. I mean, you can love someone and not trust them, but a relationship doesn't grow if there's not trust there. So if you're going to be a person that's experimenting and even diving into a relationship of a same-sex situation or a bisexual situation, be open, be honest about it. Number two, you know, there's nothing wrong with experimenting because honestly, how else are you supposed to figure things out until you try them? You know, the important thing is to remember that is to be honest and open about it. No one wants to be used or, or thought of as a guinea pig to your sexual quest. You know, just as you would have, uh, this is what I'm looking for a conversation with someone you're starting to see. Make sure that this is a situation you're both comfortable with and pursuing. You know, people sexually uh, have sex differently, obviously, with somebody of the same sex. You know, if a man is going to have sex, and I don't mean to be gross, but they usually do anal sex. And if they're going to do anal sex, there's uh, some differences in how that all goes about compared to how that would be with a woman. So, And there's also consequences that come around based on how they have sex. And so, you know, it's a little bit different in that regard. And so that has to be something that if you're experimenting, you got to be honest that you may not like it. And so it's interesting that people um, uh, have to decide by experimenting and otherwise you'll never really know. Also, you have to identify your expectations if you're going to be an experimenter. As with being transparent, it's important to keep tabs on what you want and where you see things going and and to share that. Of course, it's okay not to know from the get-go, but the second you start feeling things are headed in a direction you're not really cool with, you need to start speaking up. And that is very important. And you also, if you're going to be experimenting, you have to be open to taking risks. Dating is an emotional roller coaster. It's a leap of faith in and out of itself. So adding the factor of figuring out your sexual orientation can stir up plenty more confusing frustrations. But you're navigating uh, through a very complex web of questions and bouncing between your heart and your brain. Uh, expertly enough that you're now seeking some answers. And so that's good to experiment, but you've got to be honest with yourself. But don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to feel things. And you want to take those risks. All relationships are a leap of faith. Once again, we're talking about experimentation. You know, uh, you also want to check in if you're going to be in, in a relationship where you are experimenting. 
you know, while uh, stepping out of your comfort zone is important, there's a healthy line that needs to be drawn to be sure to check in with yourself. How do you really feel? You know, channel that emotional intelligence to make uh, sure you're in a good uh, headspace and, and know that you're you're checking in with that person and make sure they're comfortable and checking in with yourself that you're comfortable. You also want to educate yourself. The more insight you get, the more clarity and the comfort you'll receive about the confusion that you have. In fact, your confusion will be totally validated when you realize how not alone you are. You know, it's amazing uh, that people, if they educate themselves, they find themselves uh, becoming wiser about their sexuality and identifying that they're not the only person in the world that has those feelings. The other thing is, if you're going to uh, get into an experimental relationship, into something you've never done before, uh, you want to talk to that person about how you want to communicate about your relationship and if you want to talk to family about it, who you want to know about it, who you don't want to know about it. And how you want to navigate through that space. Because if it's an experimentational phase, if it's just something that you're trying, um, you've got to be honest about this. Uh, possibly you're going to get labeled. And if you get labeled by people, they're going to treat you different. And so if you're just in an experimental phase, you want to navigate through how you communicate your desires and how you uh, are affectionate towards each other in, in public. You know, but you don't want to let labels drive you. We live in a world that's constantly striving to define the unknown and categorize everything. So we may not quite understand that. And this can be a great way to organize and make sense of things as we learn more. Don't label yourself as anything if you're experimenting. You're experimenting. You're not in the, you're in the process of defining your sexual orientation. You're not in a place where you're making a decision. You know, because uh, how much we change over time is based on people that you meet and what you experience, there's no need to declare anything unequivocal when you're in an experimental phase. Another thing that you want to do is reach out, tap into the, the expansive amount of support systems at your disposal. Friends, family, anyone and everyone that has uh, not a problem with people's sexual orientation. If you're in an experimental phase, seek support systems and people who are accepting of the fact and not judging of you harshly so that you feel free to be who you are. Now, if you're in a situation where you have to accept sexual orientation, the first thing you want to do when you find out that a person is actually declaring themselves homosexual, bisexual, whatever they're declaring themselves to be, asexual, transgender, the first thing you want to do is stay calm. Don't freak out. Even if you feel shocked or upset, it's okay if you need a little time to wrap your head around it. But just take a deep breath and remember how you felt about your, that person before they confided in you. You know, they're still the same person. And, and there, so there's no reason to treat them differently now. Stay calm, close your eyes, and silently count to 10 before you react. You want to be calm when they give you that information. This is a very delicate moment in their life when they're actually declaring themselves. And you also want to tell them you still care about them. You know, they're probably feeling nervous and uncertain. So you want to reassure them and you want to value them and you want to let them feel comfortable and and, uh, and, and even give them a hug or touch. It's okay. They're, they're still the same person. They're just getting into the phase of their life where they want to define who they are sexually. 
you also want to thank them. If they're coming out to you, you want to thank them for trusting you. You know, it is a very scary time, especially for people who are just coming to terms with their own sexuality. You know, tell them that you're glad that they trusted you enough to confide in you. You know, it, it, even be empathetic. I can't imagine how hard this is uh, for you to come out with this information. You also uh, want to uh, avoid trivializing their orientation. Most people do a lot of thinking and soul searching before they come out to anyone. So they're probably... Uh, quite certain about their orientation, and they're unlikely to change their mind. So if you're starting to question them, you know, are you sure? Do you really want to do that? Well, you know, if you're going to go that way with them, you're basically saying you haven't really thought about it. And if they're coming out to you, there's a really uh, strong chance that they've done a lot of thinking about this before they've come to you. You know, and if they're coming to you and opening up, talk about it as long as they need to. You know, a good conversation can help both of you and them process feelings. You know, you want to listen to them and you want to try to understand where they're coming from. You want to validate them. I understand. I hear what you're saying. So what you're telling me is this. I get it. I understand. And don't make uh, the conversation about you. Focus on your friend's feelings and needs. Focus on that person who's coming out to you, what they need. You might feel shaken up right now, but your friend or that person that's coming out to you is probably a lot more uh, scared than you are. And you have plenty of time later to reflect and work on your own feelings. But it's okay to share your feelings with your friend if they ask you to. But don't share your feelings if they're not asking you to because they are needing to communicate to you. You don't need to be communicating them in that moment. And you also want to empathize. You know, put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in their shoes. If, if you're straight, imagine living in a world where heterosexuality was stigmatized, where it's a bad thing. You know, that could be very scary. And so you really want to empathize with them in that sense because now their life is going to become more complex. The other thing is you want to educate yourself. You know, you want to educate yourself about how this community works, how this person's sexual identity works. And, and what are the things that they're going to want in their life so that you can help them uh, get into their lifestyle that they're looking for? And you also want to ask a lot of questions and empathetic questions, not, not, not questions that are guided towards making them feel less of themselves. You know, if you don't understand something, it, just don't leave it a, mis a mystery. Talk to them about what brought them through this process. How did they arrive at this decision? What, was their, what, were, what were their thoughts in coming to this choice? You know, and examine your own feelings about their orientation, too, because if, if you have a prejudice against that person, then you may not want to play a bigger role in that person's life because you're only going to hurt them. And so, you know, you need to get to a sense of where does this person belong in your life now? And do you want to challenge yourself to rise up and accept what they are or are you going to deny them or were you going to play in between because your relationship with that person is likely going to have to be renegotiated so if you're going to maintain a, a, a friendship um, accept that you aren't going to change your their, their orientation avoid becoming fixated on their orientation support them trust them respect them respect their friendship and keep their confidence and that is all that is required of you, just like you would do to somebody in your life and you would want for somebody in your life. Okay, you know, uh, relationships and attraction are moving to a stage where it's about the connection to a person rather than a gender. So sexual orientation is explored throughout life for many 
rather than childhood sexual orientation, it's actually nowadays being explored throughout life. So single people are exploring throughout all stages of life rather than what used to be exclusive stages. You know, it's been also, if you look at nature versus nurture, it's been reported that the use of terms nature and nurture is a convenient catchphrase for the roles of heredity and environment, human development, which is traced all the way back to the 13th century France. And so, you know, fast growing understanding of the human uh, genome has made it clear that both sides of the debate have merit. You know, nature endows us with uh, inborn abilities and traits. Nurture takes these genetic tendencies and molds them as we learn to mature. You know, it's a debate that, that rages on and a lot of people in the scientific community take sides, but it's actually somewhere in between. Um, you know, scientists have known for years that such as uh, 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 eye color, hair color are determined by specific genes that are in our cells. But the nurture, uh, nature theory takes it to a step further. They say more abstract traits such as intelligence, personality, aggression, sexual orientation are encoded in DNA. And the search for behavioral genes is a source of constant debate. Many fear that genetic arguments might be used to excuse criminal acts or justify divorce. And there's also a debated issue pertaining to the nature theory that is the essence of a gay gene uh, pointing to a genetic component of sexual orientation. And, and you know, some people uh, feel that you're born that way and uh, some people feel that it's a product of your environment or your upbringing or the events that happened in your childhood. But the truth is it's likely both. It's likely environmental. It's likely in the genes. It's likely just the way things have been designed. It may be how you grew up. It may be the experiences that you've had. Maybe it's trauma that you've had. But there's also genes that lean us towards those directions, too. That's what's so confusing. It's gray, 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 gray. So nature and nurture is black and white thinking. It's in between. It's just in between. And and that's where it is. You know, the, the environment doesn't necessarily determine an individual's traits and behaviors, you know, uh, you know, there's been a lot of uh, uh, research of uh, uh, twins that have been separated and grew up in different circumstances and grew up as different people. And so just because their genes were the same doesn't mean that they made the same choices throughout the courses of their lives. So, you know, nature virtue nurture is a very, very tricky situation. Now, this asexuality, identifying with that, they don't find people hot. Uh, you know, you're gonna, they're, they think from the sense that my girlfriend had to be very persistent con to convince me to have sex or my boyfriend. I find porn to be boring. I, I uh, zone out. Most of the conversation is on sex. I've never really had urges. I've never had the point of uh, – knew what the point of a bachelor party is. They, people that are asexual, they just don't see sex as an important topic. You know, they, they don't understand what the big deal is. It's kind of an alien thing. It can be kind of gross to them. And uh, maybe they have romantic ideals. Maybe they want romance. But uh, maybe they understand that they're just not very good at it. And, uh, and they feel bad for other people that want to be sexual with them because they're always wanting something that they don't have the desire to give. And so they feel a sense that they cannot love people the way they need to be loved. So asexual people go through a great struggle and it requires a lot of empathy and understanding and understanding from their perspective uh, to make your relationship with that person closer. That they're about the soul, they're not about the body. 
All right, that's our show. Our next show is Intuition. Is it gut feeling or paranoia? I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. My email is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now, remember, most people's sexual orientation is straight to the refrigerator. And a good way to come out at the holidays is to cook uh, gingerbread, uh, excuse me, gingerbread cookies in various poses like holding hands, kissing, or more derogatory positions as gingerbread cookies. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. (laughs) 